All right, here we go. So uh, I'm gonna try a different format here using my phone to broadcast and then I'll put the audio back up on the website later. So give me a comment, let me know how it looks and sounds. Um, so I guess we'll start with uh, getting you caught up on what I've been doing the last few weeks. So um, the last episode I talked about perspective and uh, some of the lessons that I've learned and that led me to uh, make some connections <clears throat> and um, I connected with a guy that has trucks uh, on at Landstar and he and I came to terms and so I am now driving for him. I left my job, the local job that I have with Air Gas uh, last Friday. I did orientation with Landstar this past Monday and I'm out on the road um, coming at you live from uh, West Monroe, Louisiana. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of a difficult decision to to leave what I was doing in, in some respects. I mean, the money the money was tough um, and the money's here. Here's a lot, lot better. So that side of it wasn't difficult, but you know, I felt like there was some risk involved, and um, so I got through that, and uh, it, it's definitely been a good decision. I'm in a really, really good place, uh, not only where I can I can make money and, and earn, but I can also um, learn a lot from this guy. So, <clears throat> you sell the title of this episode is doing what is right rather than what is legal. I've been watching the market here over the last few weeks and now that I'm out here pulling freight and I'm seeing the rates, you know, we're seeing, you know, in some aspects, of some aspects, unprecedented rates. And um, I'm starting to realize and, and understand that for 60 years or longer in this industry, we've been doing what is right rather than what is legal. We've been serving customers. Um, you know, 90% of this business uh, is, is small businesses. And they're they're not the giant corporations. They're they're not you know Swift and Werner and JB and UX Express. They're small independent businesses, and they have been running what how they want to run. Drivers as individuals have been doing what they want to do for a very very long time. Um, and you know we we've had a whole lot of Smokey and the Bandit type uh, running going on. Um, because people are just picking up and delivering freight regardless of what the law has said. You know, the law has said, oh, you have to work this many hours and this many time. We've just not been doing it. we just blatantly ignored all the regulations. And now, with the ELD mandate, now everyone is forced to do what they've never done, and that's run legal. And it has had an incredible effect on shippers and receivers because we've been giving them a level of service and they've gotten accustomed 
to that level of service. And now they can't have that little level of service anymore because everybody's in handcuffs because of the ELD mandate. So it's a, it, in a way, it's a fascinating study of, of human behavior uh, because we've always had these restrictions on us. We've just ignored them. We have uh, willfully and blatantly broken the law for decades and decades and decades. And most of us are proud of it. I, the, you know, I, I've been running legal because I've been working for big carriers that have had, um, you know, that, that have that, that joined the mandate early. And, you know, when you look at especially the American economy, well, generally giant corporations and government are are generally hand-in-hand hand because they need something from each other. The government needs the campaign contributions and giant corporations need government to write regulations to help them. And look, I'm not against big corporations. I'm not mad at Swift or U.S. or whoever. Um, they, they have a place in the industry. So I'm, you're not ever going to hear me say that, you know, something should happen to them or... Um, but they're ten percent. They're they have such a a big footprint, um, and they're so noticeable because of their branding. And you know, you see an orange truck, you know that Schneider. You see a red truck, that's probably U.S. Express. You see a blue truck, that's Warner. So they're noticeable, but the reality is that they're small. It's, it's the rest of us that are out here, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Landstar, and we got 9,000 trucks, so they're technically, um, you know, technically a part of the 10%, but in a way they're not because everybody here runs as independents. So it's just kind of a fascinating study of human behavior um, and, and seeing how regulation uh, stifles growth it, it, it hurts the economy. Um, you know, we're, we're not any safer today because everyone is now all of a sudden following the law when for decades prior to that, nobody followed the law. I mean, we kind of sort of did. You know, we would, we would be kind of close to legal, but not really. Uh, because the reality is most drivers are not going to run 800 miles a day. They're going to run five or 600. They're going to do it how they want to do it. It may not necessarily be by the letter of the law. Uh, and yeah, you're going to have cowboys that are you know, going to go out and run 800 to 1,000 miles a day. I, I've done that in spurts in my career, but that was 20 years ago. I, you know, Man, I'm 42. I, I can't do that crap anymore. Five, 600 miles, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. Um, but I'm just really intrigued by what we're seeing happen right now with rates. Um, and, and people are stay, sit, saying still that there's still a lot of people running illegal just like they were. Um, and, you know, we got this hard enforcement date coming uh, in April where if the cops catch you, they'll shut you down. 
but you got to think about that too. I mean, there's somewhere around 1.2 million police officers in the United States for, to cover 320 million people. Three and a half million are truck drivers. So, I mean, there's pretty much three times as many truck drivers as there are cops. You know, and not all of those cops are DOT enforcement. So, I mean, you still got to know that your chances of getting not getting caught are pretty good. Um, so there will be a lot of people that just, you know, they'll put an ELD in their truck, but they really won't use it, uh, or they'll be close to using it, or they'll, they'll feign ignorance. But even if every law enforcement officer in the United States pulled one truck over every day, they're only going to get a third of us. And, and that's just not happening. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to guess and say you might have maybe 10,000, 20,000 that are actually commercial vehicle enforcement. Um, so, really the idea of this ELD mandate being enforced is kind of funny because they're just, there's not enough cops on planet Earth to enforce the laws on every single truck. There's, the logistics are just not there. Um, but, you know, pr probably... I'd say we'll end up with probably 85% compliance. Most people will put it in their trucks basically out of fear because they don't want to get caught. Um, so it's, you know, it's affecting the market. Um, I just wish we could understand better that we've been doing a good job all along. Um, you, you can judge this industry by any metric over the years and the decades. And as um, John Graves, no, the, 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 well, I'm going to get to that, John. Rates are going up, but are the big companies paying the drive? No, they're not. No, and they're probably not going to. Um, they, they may pay some more, but here's the thing about big companies. They're the gateway, right? They're how you get into this industry. Whether they meant to set themselves up to be the gateway they are. If you want a job, you know, hell, driving a coach, a bus, you're probably going to have to go drive a truck first in order to get insurance. So they're the gateway. But here's the question I posed to a friend a while ago. If these big carriers are 10% of the industry and they're screaming driver shortage, driver shortage, driver shortage, because they have 100 to 120% turnover, okay? I'd like to know what's happening with that other 90%, right? Uh, you're fine, John. It'll be all right. I, I, I do tangents pretty well. Um, think about this, okay? So you've got a, you've got a pie, you know, and 10% of that pie is the big carriers. So what's happening in that other 90%? Are, are those other 90%, do they have the same turnover that the big carriers do? That's an interesting question, and I don't know that there's any way to measure it. There may be a way, way to measure it going forward as we get more closer to a blockchain, um, data-driven. Uh, you know, we have data available to us now that we never have before. So you got to ask the question: One, is there a driver shortage? I don't think so, because in order for there to be a driver shortage, there has to be a capacity shortage. If there's a capacity shortage, Rates wouldn't suck the way they have sucked. So, 
you know, I think there is a driver shortage for big carriers because they bring people in, and I don't think training is really the issue. I don't think it's as much about, oh, we didn't train them well to drive the truck. We train them fine to drive the truck, but we don't train them the lifestyle, you know? And I learned the lifestyle from other drivers, you know? There's an empty hole up here where there should be a CB and there's not. I've got one laying in here somewhere, but who knows if I'll ever plug it in. But that's how I learned. You know, when I did something stupid, when I was a rookie, there was somebody to tell me about it. And, and uh, you know, they get on the radio and say, hey, dummy, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? And I would learn that way and also learned about the lifestyle. So if you put people into a situation where they're, they're already at a deficit because they're coming out of government schools, so they're just one step above clueless, the poor things, and then you're putting them into an environment where they're out by themselves, they got nobody looking over the shoulder, nobody micromanaging them, telling them what to do every second of every day, and you put them out on this island, and then they're just like, what do I do? And then they look at these measly paychecks, um, and then they're like, well, hell, screw this, I'm out. So they quit. And then they're replaced by another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. So. It's too easy to just blame the big characters because we've got other issues in society, starting with public education. You talk about a tangent. I won't get off on that one. Um, you know, so people coming out of these idiot factories and then they're going out into the world and they're completely unprepared. They're completely clueless. And so the big carriers are there. And they bring them in and and get you know just enough to get them to go down the road, pat them on the butt, and wish them the best of luck. That's something we can fix. I just don't know if we will. Um, I, I honestly think that it's going to be it's going to take individual efforts. Like the guy that I work for. Like, his model is to bring guys in that are interested in being owner-operators and train them up and teach them. Well, nobody, you know, nobody passed a law. Nobody made a requirement. He just, he took that from his heart, and and he decided to do it. And so I'm probably going to follow in his footsteps. But it's going to take a lot more of that to somehow connect with the newer drivers um, and, and find a way to teach them uh, so that we can retain them or find a way to intercept them you know at the big company and move them on to something better you know my advice has always been if you're going to get into this industry pick a company stay there a year don't quit I don't care how bad you think it is doesn't matter. You do not quit. You stay there a year. You get the experience that you need, and then you move on. Um, because I believe you can make money at any company. It doesn't matter which one. I, you know, the only criteria I think someone should consider when they're going to pick a carrier, when they're when they're brand new, is find somebody that either has a terminal or a customer close to your house. That's it. I don't care what name's on the door. You know, pick what you want. Flatbed, reefer, van, tanker, uh, 
whatever it is, whatever you want to do, more likely it's going to be a van. Pick a carrier that has some assets, that has some infrastructure close to your house, and go to work for them for one year and then move on if you need to move on. But you don't quit for any reason. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're hearing the sound of my voice and you're deciding to get a CDL and go to do a job and you pick ABC Carrier, you are the problem. They're not the problem. Okay? Um, they may have a dispatcher, an individual working at their company that's exacerbating the problem, but you're brand new. You don't know Jack. Your, your only responsibility for that first year is to learn. So don't come crying to me that all the company did this and the company did that. Shut up. Every company's got issues. They all do. The one I'm, the one I'm driving for now has got issues. They all do. There is no perfect company. There are some that are degrees, you know, better than another one. But I don't care. Schneider, Swift, J.B. Hunt. Well, I don't think J.B. Hunt hurt. But Schneider, Swift, U.S. Express. I'd send anyone to any one of those three companies and say, go there, get your license, learn how to drive, learn how to do the lifestyle, and then stay there until you die or go find something better. Um... So we, we just, we got to stop making the big carriers a scapegoat. You know, I mean, blockchain, blockchain's going to change everything, y'all. And and I'm, I'm sure I sound like a broken record with that, but it's, it's the most, in my opinion, it is the most significant advancement in human history. History. You know, it don't matter what your worldview is. If you think the world's 4,000 years old or 4 billion years old, don't matter. From point A, the origin of the universe, to now, nothing has ever been possible like this. And it's going to change everything. And I believe that that technology is going to be proven in the trucking industry. So, uh... You know, even Craig Fuller, whose who's family started U.S. Express, said, Code don't care. Code don't care how many trucks you got. Code don't care what color your skin is. Code don't care where you lived. Code don't care how many parents you got. Code cares about making a connection. An available truck with an available load. Done. That's all that matters. So, we can see... We could see carriers going power only. You know, we, we could see tra trailer fleets where, you know, interchange agreements and, and instead of going to, you know, we may stop bumping docks with blockchain. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I just know it's possible. And so, you know, that's what's so much fun to talk about right now because pretty much everything's possible. So you can kind of get people in a room that dig blockchain and you hear all kinds of crazy stuff because you're like, hey, you could do this and you could do that and this and that. So, but the fascinating part is all that stuff's possible now. And, it, and it's never been possible before. So, uh, you know, it's going to take kind of a community-style effort 
but it's going to be individuals. It's not going to be gangs. You know, the, the, you, you're not going to you're not going to make any change by force for the good. You know, we're seeing changes be made by force right now at the end of the government's gun. You will get on an ELD. And look what it's done to the market. And we're kind of riding high on that right now because it's shooting rates through the roof. But that's eventually going to move its way over to the consumer and prices are going to rise. And we can go from hero to zero real quick. Because if people's milk and eggs and bread starts going up and they start realizing it's because of us, because of transportation costs, then, you know, we've got a problem. So we've all got to start, you know, kind of learning about the new ways to help them come in. The more of us know about it, the more of us understand it, the better off we're going to be. Um, so I guess that's about enough of that. Um, so I listened to, so Freight Waves was my new favorite um, website. They're just, they're awesome. Uh, and I've, I've gotten to meet a couple of those guys. Uh, so Freight Waves is a website started by Craig Fuller. It's down in Chattanooga. And he just gathered up a bunch of talent and that are not necessarily trucking people. You know, they're, they're writers and data analysts and all that kind of stuff. So, fascinating group, but everything that they write is just, is gold. Uh, so it's a really, really good source of information. So I'm listening, they've got a podcast. So I listen to the first two episodes, and during the second episode, the issue of the glider, the Fitzgerald glider kit scandal came up. And so the background is apparently Fitzgerald glider kits paid to have a study done of their trucks versus a new post-emission truck. Uh, and, and they went to Tennessee Tech and said, hey, do this study for us. So somebody at Tennessee Tech did the study and said the glider kits were no more pollution, they, they, they were no more polluting than the new trucks were. And so the story goes um, that the new head of the EPA, Scott Pruitt, said, oh, okay, well, because of this study, we're going to go do away with the EPA rule that the Obama administration had put in that was going to decimate the glider kit industry, which has become an industry. You know, glider kits, back in the day, glider kits were pretty much built by the factory to sell in case you rolled over a truck, but it still had a good engine and transmission. You could just take the engine and transmission, put it in a new truck and roll it down the road. And then, you know, the EPA came along and, and CARB and started putting out these junk trucks from 2009 to 2015. Um, you know, so for like seven years, really further than that, because it really goes back to 04. Uh, EGRs when we really start having problems. So you've got an 11 year period from 2004 to 2015 where trucks, the reliability of trucks went way, 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 way down. And uh, comparatively speaking to what they were before. Um, so the glider kit industry springs up. And so trying to protect themselves nefariously or not. So that's the thing we don't know. 
did Fitzgerald Glider Kits have some scheme? Hey, we'll go pay them to give us the results that we want. We don't know that. We know that they did go to Tennessee Tech and said, do this study. Tennessee Tech, somebody there did the study and came back with some results. Okay, that's about as that's as far as I'm going with facts. Okay. Well now they're saying that the study's flawed or it was made up. You've got senators involved. So what here's what cracked me up. Uh, and, and I'm gonna take the Freight Waves guys, who I love, right? But I'm gonna take them to task a little bit here. Because they said in there, they just they read off the statement, and I have I apologize, I haven't looked this up, really, because I don't care. Uh, but apparently one of these senators, Udall, I believe, from wherever, uh, said some quote to the effect of, this glider kit was pushing out so much black smoke that it it uh, messed up the EPA industries. Well, my bullshit meter just pegged on that, okay? Because I can promise you there's not a glider kit going down the road belching black smoke unless somebody's turned the fuel on it because they want to roll coal, okay? So, let's, let's get in common sense mode, which we know is a superpower. Who are buying glider kits? People are buying glider kits that are interested in fuel mileage and reliability. That's why they're buying uh, glider kits. Uh, why are they buying those? Because new trucks have horrible reliability and can have horrible fuel mileage. Why would somebody buy a glider kit and roll coal with it? Because that's just that's money going out the tailpipe. Okay, so I. I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a glider kit on this planet built by a glider company, whether it's the ones out of Kentucky or Fitzgerald or the ones out of Iowa. Nobody is building glider kits that are blowing black smoke. Okay, so that's complete crap. That was completely made up. Um, and that was the thing. Oh, well, they didn't use EPA in, uh, they didn't use EPA uh, instruments in this Texas Tech study or t t Tennessee Tech, sorry. Um, so the senators are writing letters and um, they, they're all, you know, look, I, it's no secret that I don't trust politicians and I don't care what letter they have after their name, an R or a D. If you want to know if they're, li they're lying, their lips are moving, okay? But I would not put it past these people that are so hell-bent on regulating everything and everybody to go to find some weak spot in this Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald scandal and make a big issue out of it. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, but I don't, I don't think glider kits are going away. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting in a truck right now that's 13 years old with a million four on it. And I asked my boss just the other day, I'm like, so have you ever thought about new trucks? And he said, the freight don't pay any better for a new truck than an old truck. Um, and obviously, we're not going to take a hundred to $150,000 risk on a new truck to why? I mean, 
we've got a truck here that's paid for. And we can just keep putting it in. Let's see. Let me read John's comment here. All bulk cement so the truck... The only black smoke I have is when I start off in too high gear. Okay, I can I can buy that because unburnt unburnt fuel. Um, so it's it's basic propaganda. Now, you know, if, if you've if you've looked around a little bit, you'll you it's not hard to find that there's also a scandal involving carb. That the guy who wrote the report, I mean. It's, Think about this. Okay, so Fitzgerald's got a report that says their stuff's good. Okay, and they're, oh, that's, that's, that's a flawed study. Okay, so the guy that came up with the study that gave us the carb rules faked his PhD. Well, we ain't talking about that. The, the, the members of the California government that, that passed carb rules knew that he faked his PhD. Oh, wait, we don't we talk about that. Look over here, citizen. You know, look over here. We're, we're going to make Fitzgerald, we'll make this little tiny company in Tennessee the bad guy. But over here in California, we ain't going to talk about that. Well, we can't do that. So, anytime I see the word scandal, uh, my antenna goes up because I'm, I'm just not buying it. You know, Fitzgerald Glider Kits has built an incredible business in Tennessee. Um, and by all accounts, they do incredible work. Uh, they, 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 they provide an invaluable service to this industry. Um, and I would hate to see them, you know, be made uh, a scapegoat um, for this EPA stuff. Uh, you know, neither of which is going away. Uh, but, you know, I want to dig into it more. I, I, I've searched the guy's name that supposedly faked his PhD, and I come up with some tinfoil hat, like, conspiracy site. So I'm I'm a little hesitant to go there just yet. Um, but it was mainstream news. I mean, it, it wasn't that, you know, the fact that the guy faked his PhD, that absolutely happened. Now, whether or not the other side of it, where they say that the members of the California board knew that he faked his PhD or that the rules were actually based on that guy's report. So it's, you know, it could be, well, here's a fact and a fact and a fact, but correlation and causation aren't necessarily the, the same thing. So, but I want to look into it more, especially if they're going to try to take down Fitzgerald. Um, and and that, that, that will be difficult to do, but if they get it, it will be it will be harmful. Um, but you, there's one more question that you have to ask in all this, okay? Just for the sake of argument, okay? So don't start this battle in my comment section. What if man-made climate change isn't real, okay? Just, just leave that right there for just a second. If the OEMs Freightliner, Picar, Volvo didn't have to spend the last 15 years chasing emissions. What what technologies could we have? What innovations could we have 
brakes, suspension, fuel mileage, engine, aerodynamic. We're already seeing trucks. Uh, well, there's a guy leased to Landstar that has a 10 mile a gallon truck that he built himself. I mean, I see the Shell Super Truck, and it's cool, but this old boy didn't spend a $10 million or whatever it was to build this truck. He built it himself, and he's getting 10 miles a gallon with like a 99 model. I think it's an international with a Detroit. What could we have today if not for those regulations that forced us to invest money on things that we would not otherwise have invested on? And what could have been the benefits? I mean, if trucks were getting 13 or 15 miles a gallon right now, don't you think that would be better for the environment? It's an honest question, which takes us right back to the beginning. The market is harmed right now because of regulation. Regulation that we've been ignoring as an industry since it was inception in the 30s. Well, now everybody's got to be legal and it's wreaking havoc on the market. We have to be careful and cautious as we're going forward that we're not riding too high on the hog. And look, I'm going to cash the checks, okay? So don't think I'm not going to because these rates are awesome and I'm making great money. But we've got to be cautious and be aware of what, what, what's this going to do 90 days, 180 days, two years from now as we start affecting consumers and we start affecting their grocery bills and the price of their clothing. We've got we've to have a plan for that and we got to be ready for that because it could come back and blow up in our faces. So... I'm going to shut this episode down here, leave comments here if you want to, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, I should have that posted tonight or tomorrow, um, and American Truck Driver at gmail.com if you have questions, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, I guess that's it, so I'm going to hang it up from West Monroe, Louisiana, I'm an American Truck Driver.